Hi, I'm Bob O'Haver. Welcome to the Why Meditate podcast. I'm asking questions of teachers, scientists, and religious leaders. Thank you for your support. Let us know what you think by making sure you comment on whymeditatela.com, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks again. Now on with our discussion. I am here with Father okay, Thomas. Let me just introduce myself. Okay. Thomas Matos, monk of New Camaldoli Hermitage in Big Sur, California. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you so much for meeting with me today. After all of that, it's been a long drive up from Los Angeles. Okay. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Uh And the first question is, why meditate? The question really is, why not? (laughs) You see. Right. It's something that is being talked about, being proposed. There's an enormous amount of literature about it. It's part of people's lives. Uh, If you ask them why they meditate, they might give an answer, but that's really not uh, pertinent to the experience itself. Right. Which is a discovery of a dimension of our existence which goes beyond the purely physical or the immediate and so forth, and uh, certainly uh, is something that is gratuitous. In other words, it is a pure gift... It is not something that produces something that then can be sold or put on the market and so forth. So um, all of these exterior uh, criteria that are very important for people everyday life, their their work, the income, how are we going to pay the bills at the end Mm -hmm. of the month and all of that. These are are concerns, they're real concerns for for people. But on the other hand, this uh, does not feed into these concerns. It is a way also of um, finding a space where we need not be so concerned about these contingent realities of our life. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are we going to do? What are we going to eat? You know? Uh, Jesus reminded his followers to look at the flowers of the field. In other words, this is meditation. Mm -hmm. You're looking beyond uh, your immediate needs and and, uh, requirements and so forth. Look at the flowers of the field. Uh, They don't do work. They don't spin. They don't sow. They don't do uh, other activities. Mm -hmm. But there they are in all their beauty. They're more beautiful than than Solomon in all his glory, as the metaphor uh, is in the gospel. So uh, there you are. It is something that um, you could say does not have any justification because it needs no justification. There's no reason to say, well, I meditate because it does this or that. People will say this, and I don't Mm -hmm. say they're wrong. I just say that that's a very marginal part of it. Mm -hmm. Because meditation is discovering who you truly are. And it also, in a uh, perspective that I think is there in many greater traditions, the greatest traditions of of humankind, uh, who or what is the ultimate in this reality in which we're immersed. Mm -hmm. And obviously, uh, many of our traditions speak of God. And in very different terms, they can have different metaphors and so forth. Um, I might mention Buddhists are sometimes referred to as atheistic. Well, they're mm-hmm. not, because you just ask them and they say, well, we, we don't profess atheism. 
Yeah. But uh, you will find that when they are conversing with Christians, obviously we mm-hmm. believe in God, um, they will use the term God, and then they will question, what do we mean by it? Right. And that is a basis for conversation. Let me just fill in a little gap here. I've sure. been, I joined this, uh, this community in uh, June of 1962. Wow. And um, I was a year out of college and um, had, uh, but I had no background in uh, really institutional Christianity. Mm-hmm. I was baptized at the age of 12 by my own request. Um, I was attending a Baptist Sunday school to learn about the Bible. Mm-hmm. And they passed out a card, do you want to be baptized at Easter? And I signed it, yes. Yeah. Because? I wanted some connection with Jesus. We're reading about Jesus, reading about mm-hmm. the Bible, reading the, the New Testament, so forth, gospel. And I wanted to know more about him and have a personal contact with him. So mm-hmm. this was something that I understood is uh, really uh, of the essence. Uh, then not long after that, I read the autobiography of a yogi. This was uh, the... Right. Autobiography of Paramahansa Yogananda, who was a right. Hindu uh, yogi, a uh, teacher who came to California in uh, 1920. Of course, he first came to Boston and then he moved to California. And um, so, after he had been lecturing to large groups of people who wanted to learn about yoga, wanted to learn about a spiritual practice that is based on uh, concrete reality, life itself, and so forth. And he was very good at that because he understood, you know, that Americans are very pragmatic and they want something that uh, is tangible, something real in their lives. Yoga is a very tangible part of uh, the Hindu tradition. Correct. But he would always lead them to an understanding of yoga as uh, a way of uh, realizing God, realizing that God is in me and in Mm -hmm. others and in all things. And so this realization of God was something that I... This real, you know, I, I knew that this was what I was really looking for, mm-hmm. what I had been seeking, you know, and uh, reading the Bible and, and uh, learning a bit about Christianity. And uh, as I developed, I was reading the Hindu, Buddhist writings and also the Christian mystics, mm-hmm. and it came to me that uh, the guru that I needed to follow was the Catholic Church, this great tradition. Wow not just the Roman Catholics, the Eastern uh-huh. Orthodox, and, sure. and uh, many others, uh, that uh, this Catholic tradition that um, where the mystics are recognized or honored, even though there are not that many of them, they're often very exceptional people, uh-huh. often went against the grain of, of things that were considered suitable and so forth, and, and uh uh, yet at the same time, they were persons of experience and could testify to that experience. So this attracted me. And, uh, but it was a very immediate thing, and I, I very quickly uh, uh, requested uh, to speak with a priest. And, and uh, mm-hmm. as, as I was beginning my last year at, um, in college, uh, I was, uh, was speaking regularly with a Dominican, a young Dominican priest, um, who you know, answered my questions very satisfactorily and uh, became a Roman Catholic mm. and went on from there. 
looking, wow. looking for a monastery. Wow. I'd read, I'd read yeah. about Catholic monastic orders, and um, uh, there was in a book written by a very famous monk called Thomas Merton. Mm-hmm. He also wrote an autobiography two years after Yogananda. Let's go back to yeah. when these two autobiographies were written. Okay. Uh, the autobiography of a yogi in 1946... Mm-hmm. Two years later, 1948, The Seven-Story Mountain by Thomas Merton. Two monks, the two best-selling American autobiographies. Right. You know? Yep. So, uh, Yogananda and, and, and uh, Merton, these two monks. Now, what was so fascinating and attractive and, you know, made, made them both best-sellers? Right. What was it? Because this is something, you know, it doesn't compute. It was new, right. It was something new, but also something quite strange. Mm -hmm. I think that people coming out of, whether they were directly on the front lines of the Second World War, Mm -hmm. but coming out from a half a century of one tragedy after the next, two great wars and depression and lots of other you know, sparse, suffering. scattered yeah. suffering and violence and so forth. They wanted something that would lead them beyond this and into uh, a, a way of existence that would be uh, peaceful, that would be uh, creative, that would open possibilities for a richer and, and a more authentic human life. Mm-hmm. So something like that was, uh, was uh, behind this interest but for me, it was a very existential thing. It was something right. that I very quickly uh, realized that, uh, for me, the, the call of God was to enter a monastery. And so I read about the Kamaldolese Benedictus in one of Thomas Merton's books. Mm-hmm. And, well, I thought all these monasteries were in, in Europe, in Italy or France or wherever. Sure. Uh, but in the United States, and so, lo and behold, somebody sent me a newspaper article about this new, new Kamaldoli Hermitage, which was being founded here in Big Sur, California, wow. not very far from where I was living. So I decided to come here. I decided to try this life first. I visited another Catholic monastery in Southern California, closer to where... Uh, I was living, and um, I was very, you know, impressed by it. But I wanted to try this, and I said, well, if it doesn't work for me, uh, I've made a deal with God, you know. I'm not going to move until the uh, superior of this monastery tells me to leave. Right. Otherwise, I'll stay here and see what see what happens. Kind of and what happened was I just went ahead and made my vows, and, and uh, it was difficult. Mm-hmm. I think I was not naturally disposed to the kind of discipline that was required of me mm. in our way of life here. Mm-hmm. And this was a time where we followed certain rules very strictly. Uh, we were getting up at 1.30 mm. in the morning to uh, celebrate a vigil service, which sometimes lasted... Um, uh, more than an hour, mm-hmm. all in Latin. The Latin was uh, actually f- f- something that I, I I liked because it would, was a childhood ambition to learn, you know, oh. uh, another language, oh, learn a, an ancient language and a modern sure. language. I studied Spanish and so forth. A mm-hmm. little bit of Latin I studied on my own, but here, you know, I could learn it. And then sure. I was praying with this Latin uh, language and so forth, and I enjoyed that, but it was very difficult for me on an emotional level, on a psychological level, physical even, because, mm-hmm. you know, this is not what 
where people in in the U.S. Right. you know they, they don't sure. get up at one thirty unless <laughs> uh, unless they're going to a party or something like that or right. yeah but I mean it's it's uh, the schedule was trying was difficult there were other things that were very strictly observed uh, we didn't take our meals together they were um, huh. all uh, delivered to these cells you know uh, these cottages right. that uh, where each monk has a separate space uh-huh. uh, that's the hermitage ideal the, the the element of solitude but there was also this strong affirmation of community right. and the insistence that we must be there on time for every one of these prayers and so it was five times a day we were meeting wow. for prayer sure and then also as younger candidates for monastic vows we had to attend classes and also do manual labor mm-hmm. i mean the church was being built sure. uh, in my first years here okay so i had to push a wheelbarrow full, well, full of full of full of cement and, right and sometimes a little too heavy for me and when i knocked it over uh, the superior was not very pleased by that but then um, i had uh, one of the elder monks uh, said oh don't worry about him he's an artist he doesn't you know he's, he's not made too, too much for this heavy manual labor sure okay okay but i was called upon to do my part in in of building this hermitage and there were some others and so forth. So there were uh, lots of coming and going at the beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we just lost two of the um, eldest monks. At, at the present moment, I am the eldest and the oldest, the oldest in years and the eldest oh. in, as, as a member of our monastic order. Sure. And in the community here. So you were here at the very beginning. Or so at the I beginning was very the, close to the beginning. Yeah. Um, there was a, a, one of our monks is uh, about three years older than I and uh, had been here um, already two and a half years when I joined. Mm. That's Father Robert Hale. He just passed away mm-hmm. uh, in, in September. I was out and I wasn't able to be here for his funeral, but... Right. Um, uh, you know, he was 81 and, and uh, made a great contribution, served the community in various ways, and um, wrote some very uh, excellent books. Sure. Uh, so he was a learned man, and he was kind of an example for me because since he, you know, uh, went to Fordham to get a PhD, I also went to Fordham to get a PhD, but on something different. Right. On, right. As a matter of fact, on yoga. <laughs> compared with Christian mysticism. Wow. So um, anyway, we you know we we've had some some excellent examples. I have you know in in these uh, brothers who were here before me, and um, uh, then I tried to fulfill my my duties. But uh, you see the uh, the. It was a choice that was made at the beginning of this foundation that mm. the first two groups of novices who joined the community here after their first formation and making vows mm. would go to Italy to live at our mother house, mm-hmm. which is in Tuscany. It's um, midway between Florence and, and uh, Rome. Right. And it is... Um, it's called Camaldoli, you know, mm-hmm. and has a hermitage very much like this, but also a, a larger um, a monastery, sure. uh, which forms one community, but with this uh, visible balance and, and integration of, uh, of what are considered to be uh, incompatible 
on the one hand, community. Mm. On the other hand, right. solitude. Well, right, if you right. go for solitude, you don't have any community. Right. You're not with anyone. But if you go to community, well, they're always there and so forth. And you don't have a t- minute to yourself. Well, maybe at the night, you know, <laughs> you can meditate a bit by yourself. But right. this is um, this is not what we do here. You see, we bring together these aspects and join it also with a way of reaching out to people uh, in in a way that could be called a mission, but it is not like the missionaries who go and into foreign mm-hmm. countries and and live there and work and and, and um, you know do great sure. works you know for for um, um, education and healthcare and all of that. Uh, whereas we do it by receiving people here as guests, mm-hmm. retreatants. And so this was the, the way there at our mother house. Well, right. the, in, in my case, it was a, a very interesting experience because um, I was asked to continue my studies, and uh, then I realized that I also felt that part of my own personal mission could be teaching, mm. uh, teaching spirituality and right. theology. Sure. And so I remained in Italy for uh, more than 30 years. Wow. And then, you know, when I'd finished my teaching and also some other duties that I had uh, for service to our congregation, then I uh, came back here. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's quite a yeah. th- that's quite a story. And I, that's yeah, it is, I suppose. But uh, you see, all of this, I see it as uh, simply a grace, a gift, and that is the way I see life mm-hmm. itself. Sure. I mean, this is a language that's theological, it is traditional, Christian, and also other religions mm-hmm. uh, use these terms, also in Hinduism, the doctrine of grace. Right. Well, along, along that same line, the, yeah. the next question is about mindfulness. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. What is your definition of mindfulness, and what is your vision of a mindful life? Do what you're doing. Be present to yourself, and also bre- present to your relationships with others. Because I think we Americans tend to be, there's a certain tendency to, well, a certain self-centeredness, you know, oh, the course. rugged individualism, that's right. a great ideal, you know, comes out of uh, the pioneering spirit of our, <laughs> of, our, of, our, of our country at the beginning and so forth and, and all of that. But you are not mindfulness if you're not thinking about another Hmm. You're not in mindfulness and others' mindfulness. You're not mindful if you're only mindful of yourself. That's right. another way of putting it. Right, right. You're only mindful. You're not mindful if you're only mindful of yourself, what's going on inside of your brain, or what you want to do or need to do or whatever. You're right. mindful when you realize the greater context of your existence, and that includes the people to whom you relate, or people that. You can help. You can mm-hmm. serve. This is also something. It's, 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 I'm speaking, of course, in, in very much in Christian terms, but the whole thing can be very easily translated, I do believe, into Buddhist terms. Mm-hmm. Because mindfulness is inseparable from compassion. Right. So, if I'm mindful of my, the state of my consciousness, mm-hmm. This must bring, in other words, if it is true mindfulness, it will bring me to the uh, compassion for those who suffer and a commitment to alleviate their suffering. 
So this is a, two very different traditions. That's mm-hmm. our uh, Christianity and Buddhism. Uh, really come together on a very essential point. There. Mm-hmm. And I think this is also very important for us um, to be aware that our way of life, uh, even though we're here on this mountain and you know, very far from any you know, great centers of population, right. but we're open and we um, enable people to come here so that they can discover something uh, in their lives that connects them with a greater reality, you know, since sure. it is a quiet place and we are here uh, in one of the great natural uh, wonderlands of, oh, of, of the planet, you definitely. know. People save for a lifetime to go drive this highway mm-hmm. up and down this coast just for the beauty of it. And I've driven up and down this coast a hundred times and didn't realize this was even here. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. That was really exciting for me to find something yeah. new. So we are here and we welcome people and we offer them the, the, uh, what is necessary to um, have a beautiful experience of what this, the natural beauty, nature, mm-hmm. can, um, in other words, nature here will draw people out of themselves into a wider reality. And this is always, for me, very important. It's essential. Yeah. Uh, the uh, meditation, yes, it is turning inward in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. But the purpose is not simply to analyze my thoughts, self-analysis. So you, it is it is a way of connecting with the greater scheme of things. So that's what that's what if I'm understanding it correctly, um, mindfulness allows us to connect with the with the larger world. Yes. And to find the compassion in us. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, the next question. Is what is your different? Uh, what do you see the difference between meditation, contemplation, and prayer? Ah, sometimes these can be described in terms of states, of mm-hmm. progressive states, and there's something of this, of course, in the yoga tradition, the yoga right. sutras, um, also in the Buddhist traditions. Um, but I don't think that I think there's a there's a, a great overlap in the Christian tradition, in specifically in in Christian monastic tradition mm-hmm. in the Western Church. There is a practice, a spiritual practice that uh, begins with a certain way of reading the scriptures. Uh, reading the scriptures mm-hmm. not to gain information or gain uh, learning you know points to argue with people about. Uh, you know how they should right. live and what they should do and shouldn't do, but uh, rather as a way into a vision of God. And uh, so we find we open a page in the scriptures and find a brief passage, a verse, a phrase, a single mm-hmm. word that speaks to us, and we remain with that. Mm-hmm. So this is what is called Lectio Divina. It's a divine reading. It's a, it's a reading that takes us immediately into the presence of God. And then uh, when we go through that, we go to, into meditation. Meditation is dwelling with that word and allowing it to uh, speak to us from within. We've mm-hmm. taken it in by reading, uh, then we allow it to uh, 
abide within our own consciousness. Mm -hmm. And from that comes contemplation. Uh, right. And, and so, so it's a progressive uh, unfolding that begins with uh, something that is out there, that is a word or a parable of Jesus or mm -hmm. something like that. And then it becomes contemplation. But from the contemplation comes something else, and that is the return to humanity. Uh, there are other traditions also have this metaphor that you know, the, sure. the hermit in the cave at a certain point leaves his cave and comes down into into the village, sure. comes down into the into the the, uh, the where people live, mm -hmm. and gives them some word of inspiration or some spiritual healing and so forth, so mm -hmm. forth and so on. We find this, of course, in the, the stories of prophets in the Old Testament, and Jesus Himself, you know, who spent time in the desert and then sure. came forward with his uh, with his teaching and, and preaching mm -hmm. and healing. So anyway, this is uh, this is something. So what is the difference? There is a certain difference if we look at it as ways of progressive interiorization, going within and mm -hmm. and finding within uh, the deeper meaning of the word that we have read and so forth. But it's not really uh, something that can be separated because um, the culmination of the practice of meditation, of contemplation is when there is no difference. Mm -hmm. It is not an altered state of consciousness. But I am simply conscious. I am simply here. Right. I'm in the here and now. I'm speaking with someone, doing something, listening to somebody else, mm -hmm. and so forth. So all of this uh, is a moment where I can experience uh, the great mystery of my existence and the other's existence and uh, I, which I understand is, is God, God present right. within us. Sure. Yeah. Fabulous. Um, the next question is... Um, my goodness. Or actually, my last question <laughs> is, what can we do to promote compassion in ourselves and in the world around us? As a practice or as a, yes. as a daily life, in our daily life? Well, I think one way is to examine that which is contrary to compassion. Oof. The examination yeah. of our own, well, of conscience. That is a very traditional term which is used in, in, of course. as a part of, of um, Christian spiritual practice, examining mm -hmm. one's conscience, you know. Uh, but not simply to find where we have done wrong, but where we have fallen short of the, the greatness, the great potentiality of our human existence, mm -hmm. which is fulfilled only in the outpouring of love and the outpouring of, of uh, uh, service to others. Right. But also examination of conscience as examination of consciousness. What, where is my consciousness limited only to that which is immediately happening and what is necessary or what I need or I want and so forth? Or do, am, I, am I able to enter into the situation of others to know in myself what they themselves may be suffering, mm. what they themselves need? Mm. 
And that brings us to compassion. And that brings yeah. us to compassion. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Just to recap in my, mm -hmm. my own little brain, yeah. when we're involved in the world and being mindful in our day, yeah. and we're seeing the suffering of others and, and doing what we can to alleviate that yeah. of our own and, and the world yeah. around us, that is what brings us to compassion. That's exactly it. Right. Now, along and then this... compassion, of course. I mean... Um, it has to be proven in our deeds, mm -hmm. and that's very important, that we do something that is real and concrete and right. effective in the lives of people to help them. So it's not... It, it's not something that needs to be organized and, and developed and, and, and well-known, right. but just finding those occasions where I can alleviate somebody's self suffering. Right. And also to have this intention, and this is very important, that the credit not be given to me. I'm not doing it in order to have the person thank me or sure. have the person praise me. If they thank, give me thanks, then I accept their thanks, mm -hmm. but that's, that's it. I'm not looking to... Um, so it's from a selfless place. It is from a selfless place. And uh, that is a test of the sincerity and of the truthfulness of the practice of compassion. So that's the it's question a, we want to ask ourselves it's when a question we're doing we, it, right? we want to ask ourselves, and also um, it reflects the depth of our meditation. Mm. In other words, if we meditate deeply, mm -hmm. if we try to have this sense of a, an immense and infinite reality which yet can be found within us, mm -hmm. if we realize that this is not only I realize that it's not only in myself, but this is in every person, mm -hmm. every human being. Every human being, says the Bible, is created in the image and likeness of God, or in the image of God and develops into a greater and greater likeness if their life goes well. So as so, it's written, God dwells in each of us. In each of yeah. us. In each of us. Right. And, therefore, selflessness and... Mm -hmm. Self-effacement, in other words, not putting myself forward, not wanting to be praised or, or honored because I'm doing good deeds and so forth, but really to um, have a positive effect on others, mm. it's uh, put in this, these terms in the gospel, so that they will give glory and thanks to God. You see? Of course. Not glory and thanks to me. Right. Glory and thanks to God. In other words, to the source of all of this. Mm -hmm. The source of the good that I can do is not, is, it can be in myself. I can discover it within myself. Sure. As the, the imprint of the divine reality upon my, my own being, my own soul. But ultimately, it is always from there. It is always from that infinite source. Mm -hmm. And it leads back to that. So... The, the, the effectiveness of my service to someone helping a suffering person is then that they will discover God within themselves and they will relate to God. Mm. Mm -hmm. Lastly, if there's anything else that you, that you think we've missed or around this subject... Oh, there's so many things. That, that, uh, I know we could go on the, for hours about exactly, it. But, but I, even my father, Cyprian, of course, will fill in uh, a, lot of, a lot of gaps from mm -hmm. his own experience and, and uh, 
Well, I find it in, in I, helping in helping us live together as a community because he's in he's the he's the prior. In other words, he is uh-huh. the, the first servant, the servant of the servants, uh-huh. and so he is uh, among us and helps us to work together and to uh-huh. uh, build the community and so forth. So he has a great experience there to to share wow. with you. Well, I was finding with each of these interviews that I've been doing, um, it's just interesting to hear. Because it's all about personal experience, and it's all yeah. about how one relates to these subjects and yeah. and to this in their own life, and it's just been um, it's just been really intriguing and interesting for me mm-hmm. uh, learning about this. Yes. But I just want to thank you so very much for spending the time with me. And um, you're very welcome. Uh, the the noise you heard is the rain coming down. <laughs> oh my gosh, the rain! Yes, and um, I guess that's a little nerve wracking up here <laughs> with all not, of the slides. Because no. yes, it is of course a concern, and that is why we have this this huge expenditure before us, and we don't know how we'll. But we have to do it, you know, to build did, this new entrance road. Did I read right that this is eight hundred? That you have eight hundred acres here? Eight hundred acres, but but on on a on a steep slope. Right. In other words, you can't you know can't really do anything. You can't yeah, plant, right. plant wheat here. You know? Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's um, yes. Uh, part of it is to uh, create a safe environment where all of the aspects of nature, the the plant life, the animal life, and so forth, is sure. uh, is respected and venerated. Can live in harmony, right? And live in harmony with that. We live in harmony as a community and welcome people into this, uh, where they can contemplate this beauty as as we uh, as we do. Sure. And uh, so it serves that purpose of creating. Um, a space, a generous space, right. not only for ourselves, but also for the people who come here and join with us. And I also have to say, I love your domain name, uh, <laughs> the contemplation.com. Contemplation.com. Um, yep. That was just brilliant. I, yeah. I just, um, when I saw that, um, so he suggested it to me, and then I saw the domain name, and I go, oh my gosh, I got to go talk to these guys. I have to. <laughs> it was just, it was, that's what really drew me. Um, anyway, thank you very much. Thanks for listening today. And remember to leave a comment. Subscribe to the podcast on either Apple or Android. Search for Why Meditate. Now, take a minute or two to take it in. Close your eyes and you can sit with what you just heard. The music will continue for about three and a half minutes. Have a beautiful day.
ही 